Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. I'm your gracious host, the WPP. That's William Thomas Powell, otherwise known as the King of DC Media. Tonight's guest is director Michael Marino, whose most recent work is a web series called Drag Cool, which is going to be turned into a feature film for TV. Uh, Michael has also directed the horror comedy, The Haunting of Pearson Place, and a little film called 502. Now, this Saturday, November 15th, Mike will be holding a night of games, gambling, networking, in support of the series up in Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, indeed. It's at a place called Little Havana, and you can find that at 1325 Key Highway in Baltimore, Maryland, and that is going to kick off from 7 p.m. to midnight. So I see that Mike is on the line, so let me bring him on in. Good evening, Mike. William, how are you, my friend? Fantastic, fantastic. All right, yeah, we're looking at uh, some Arctic air coming down here to D.C. I know you're looking at the palm trees and sun out there in L.A. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little cooler here, just a touch, just a tad. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I see that you're turning uh, Drag Cool into a feature film. So talk a little bit about what Drag Cool is about and uh, why the change to a uh, feature film. Well, Drag Cool is essentially, uh, if you were to combine House of Cards with True Blood, so what you've got is politicians who are vampires, or at least suspected vampires. Yeah, there's a whole lot of jokes there. I mean, taking place in D.C., I mean, do you have any vampires in Congress jokes or what? <laughs> uh, basically, the main thing we say is they're all bloodsuckers. It doesn't matter what side of the fence they're on. So, you know, you just got you just got to watch your back and, you know, don't let them get too close and, you never see them come out during the daylight, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's a few jokes running around. But for the most part, you know, being a politician is, uh, I'd say on the ladder of uh, careers, is probably right down there towards the bottom with most people. So, you know, yeah. it, it was kind of an easy it was kind of an easy marriage for as far as, you know, making a film or at least writing a script anyway. So, yeah, yeah, I bet you had a lot of fun writing that script. So now... I heard that you pitched this show to HBO. So describe a pitch meeting. What goes on in a pitch meeting? <laughs> well, every single time we pitch something, it is not, it's different, you know. Um, 
when you pitch to a larger network like that, you don't necessarily you're not necessarily sitting in front of the the guy that makes the decision or the gal that makes the decision. You're probably dealing with somebody who's like right out of college, and you know they just ask you a lot of innocuous questions, and you try to give them an idea of what you're talking about. And if you're older than them, they don't get all your references, so that's kind of tricky too. So huh. you know, it can be a little. It can be a little funny. It can be a little weird. I've had some strange pitch sessions, and I've had some really wonderful ones. Um, just recently, we came back. We were at the AFM, uh, the American Film Market, and that uh, that was a much much more interesting and, and more pleasant experience because we pitched probably to a dozen different networks and distributors. Uh, you know, throughout Cool as well as our other film projects. So it was. It was. It varies. It just depends who you're getting. You know. So there's no real. There's no. The one thing that I would say is common that you better know your your product, if you will, inside and out, because the pitch can last anywhere from 30 seconds to 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, on on their end, you know, they can say after yeah. 30 seconds, "Thanks for coming by. See you later." Hmm. Yeah, it seemed like you go from an elevator speech to uh, almost like a war and peace kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, you have to know yeah, all the ins and outs. Yeah, you got you got to see. Really, again, it's sort of one of the things where the person you're in front of, you have to read them as much as they are reading you, and you got to you you have to figure out on the fly who you're talking to. And I mean, aside from them telling you who they are, I mean, what kind of person they are, what kind of pitch they like to hear. Uh, and, you know, how long they're going to want to listen to you, what time of day it is. You know, if you got the AFM, we were getting people at the end of the day, so they've been doing it for 10 hours and they're tired, so you don't want to sit, sit around with them for another 30 minutes going at it. So they just want to get to the point. So it can be, it can be, actually it's a lot of fun. It's a lot, it's a little stressful, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. So I know you you got a lot of films that are going to be producing in the next several months here. you got the... Uh, what is it, uh, Malum? You got Hatchet later? How did you get attached to those projects? Um, most of, all those projects are MCM film projects. Uh, you know, Charlie Young is my is my business partner, and Pat Morganelli is our other business partner who lives in L.A. permanently. And we've got a, a slate of about six to eight films and TV shows, you know, all combined that we're trying to find money for, like everybody else. And, you know, the projects are anywhere from you know, embryotic all the way to full on, ready to go. So it just depends on it depends on you know who we're talking to, and we you know we were now like I said we we're pitching at the AFM not just throughout cool but we were looking for money for our other films as well as talking to distributors about casting the films because that's a really big that's a really important step you got to take. So yeah, yeah, because that if you can have a big name attached to a project and it can really push it forward. That's really, really important. So what uh, steps have you taken to try to secure some big names? Well, they're genre-specific. So what you want to generally do when you're making a independent film or a low-budget film, you, you want to make it, make it genre-specific. So if it's going to be a horror film, you want to find an actor and who's well-known in, in that genre. So it's reverse engineering. You start with You start with the actor and put them into the project as opposed to starting with the project and then we'll find the actor. So hmm. there are a lot of actors out there that a 
lot of distributors will not touch anymore because they're oversaturated. And they'll give you a list of those right. actors when you're talking to them. They'll say, these guys are good. These guys, not so much. These guys, even less so. And, and a lot of it really has to do with the foreign market. Uh, the domestic market's not as important, but, you know, it's still important, but the foreign market is a lot more, is what they're really looking at more because, obviously, the globe is bigger than the United States. So that's where they're really going. Right, right, yeah. Now, have you found that some actors excel in horror films? Um, I mean, what do you mean, from an acting point of view or a director's point of view? acting point of view, yeah, acting point of view. Um, I, I, the thing about horror films is that it combines all the genres, you know, drama, comedy, action, adventure, you know, suspense. So a good actor can really, really dig into that and get and get you know has the ability to get a taste of all of it. You know, if it's a straight comedy, that's what you're working on. You know, if it's a straight drama, that's what you're working on. But with a horror film, you really need a well-versed and well-rounded actor to make it work. And generally speaking. Uh, they tend to be underrated, you know, by the rest of the community. And frankly, I think a lot of them are far better actors than some of our sort of A-list dramatic actors. So hmm. I, I would say, you know, in my my experience has been that, you know, there there really is a lot for an actor to, to work with. You know, they really get to go back into their bucket of tricks and stuff to make it work. So a lot of actors who work in horror really, really enjoy it because of that. You know, today they're going to be running for their lives. Tomorrow there's a comedic angle to it, you know. So it can it can go all over the place, which for a director also is a lot of fun because it keeps you on your toes. Right, right, that's right, yeah. And uh, you talk about uh, people who excel at actor, I mean, at uh, horror, and you talk about, uh, like you said, that they have to be really good at not only this, Conveying that they're scared, but I mean, there's comedy, there's drama. I know a lot of your films, to me, they're like, I guess they're comedy horror. I mean, I keep going back to uh, The Haunting of Pearson Place. Yeah, so what's the latest word on that? Are you any closer to uh, bigger and better things for that film? Yeah, Pearson was a, that was an interesting education. We, you know, when we made that, we knew that it was going to have some, you know, shades of comedy in it because, you know, you have to kind of give it a little levity to give people a break. And, you know, the creepiness factor was there. Um, we're really close to getting it out there. We we ran into, we got, uh, we had two distribution deals that lasted about a year, year and a half each that we had to let the contracts expire. And the distributors really didn't do anything with the film. For the most part, they just sort of sat on it. Uh, mainly because we were trying to get more money from it, and they just rather just sit on it and let it just die. So we finally have it now with a company called uh, Bitmax out of out of L.A., and they just yesterday sent us the email telling us that they went through the quality control on it uh, so that it can be released on iTunes and a, and a few other platforms that we're still trying to work out. So hopefully that, fingers crossed yet again, uh, that will be out by, for a Christmas release. But... Well, the scheduling good. is really the scheduling is really up to them and to iTunes uh, because each each platform has its own set of requirements. You know, you have a general set of requirements that they ask for, but then each one has something else that they want to add to the pile. So it's a it's a long process. You really got to be again patient with it. Uh, I I want to get it out there because it's just been sitting on the shelf for the last two years or a year and a half, I'd say. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. Uh, now, what's 
Now, talk a little bit about uh, distributors. I've heard different things. I mean, there's some of them that they don't take any money until they make money. Then I've heard horror stories that uh, they don't really do anything for you. I mean, that's I mean, horror, the key to find a horror stories. Yeah, horror stories about horror stories. Something like so, yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it can it can get rough, dude. I mean, it can get really rough. You know, sometimes you have to just be careful who you're dealing with. You know, they're they're the sharks in the business, and you know, they're in. It's a business. I mean, the bottom line is it's it's about making money, and you yeah. know, all the artistic integrity and all the good intentions, and you know, you might have a great film that you know was shot locally with local actors that everybody loves. But, you know, you're going to have a hard time getting a distributor to, to touch that because if they don't see a market for that, it, you know, yeah, you can put it out on your own, but, you know, are you going to recoup your money, you know? So uh, the distributors themselves, each one is, you know, different. And so they tend to be, you know, my experience with, with distributors has been, I'd say, 50-50. You know, they're, they've been nice enough, but they aren't necessarily going to uh, go out of their way to try to push your film. You know, if your film has... Like Pearson Place had New York and DMV actors in it, and you know, for a distributor out of Los Angeles, that's that's not really as, as you know exciting to them as having a well-known C-list or B-list actor, you know, in Hollywood that they can sell around the world. So you know, mm. if you're going to put the, if you're going to put in your work day, what are you going to what are you going to try to push first? You know, the one that's more likely to pay the bills, right? And that's not going to be right. a small film that came out of D.C., you know, unless it's really exceptional and unusual and different. And, you know, our film was very good, but it wasn't exceptional and different. It was just a good, straight-up horror comedy that had great production value. So, you know, you're competing cool. with a lot of other things, especially nowadays. Huh. Yeah. Talk about uh, the difference between... The not just the actors, but the, the the entire the creative community that you run into out there in L.A., as opposed to say D.C. or New York. I mean, it, is it uh, you find it's harder to crack that nut, or is it uh, you know, is it how does it differ? How do you, what do you mean? Is it harder to get into the ins yeah, and outs of the business out there? Through, or? Yeah. Um. Not. Not really. I mean, actually, people out in L.A. You know, that's what that's what they're there for. You know, so everybody, everybody that's there, that's what they do. You know, so you know, everybody's always kind of running around looking for the next gig or trying to find money for the next film. But you're dealing with people that this is what they do. This is their job. You know, um, the the D.C. area, the D.M.V. area. Most people you deal with here have you know nine to five straight jobs. So a lot of times you're dealing with their scheduling issues, and you know they they are passionate mm-hmm. about it, but this is not what they do full time, and so right. that that creates that creates other issues. You know, I've I've had issues where I've cast actors and locally, and then you know they can't do certain scenes because they have some sort of clause in, in their with their work, you know, that won't allow them to do it. You know, oh. so you don't run into that in L.A. because their work is acting. You know. And so when you cast actors here, you know, you love them, and then you say, well, look, there's there's nudity in the script, there's a love scene, and they tell you, well, I can't do that because I could lose my job. And, you know, I understand yeah. that, I respect that, but those are kind of hurdles that you get over and you work around if you really want to work with that person and you find a way to make it work. But, you know, when you're in Los Angeles, that's not usually the case unless it's a sort of a moral issue, they just don't want to do it. 
Um, so it's you know that hurdle can be there. It's just you know where is it placed down the track or is it 15 feet in front of you? You know what I mean? So you know generally speaking, each 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 community has its own challenges. But the, well, when you're in LA, everybody's there to do the same thing. Okay, and they and they're not too particular about where you come from. They don't kind of look at you differently because you're from. D.C., I mean, there's this thing where they say, oh, D.C. is like smaller market and this guy is, is he really serious? Have you run into that kind of attitude? No, um, not 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 uh, not directly. You know, uh, people that are out there aren't from there anyway. Most of them are from, you know, all over the country. So at some point they moved out there and said, I'm going to get in the film business too. You know, there's a few of them obviously are from there, but no, not at all. I mean, they're, they're if, if they like your film, they don't care if you're from, you know, ten bucks too, as long as they can make money off of it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the bottom line, William. It's like, look, it's like you're in the shoe business, right? And you're making yeah. all black loafers, making all black loafers, because that's what people buy. And all of a sudden, you want right. to use pink loafers. You're not going to sell as many, right? So, you know, it's kind of like that. You know, everybody says Hollywood's so liberal. My my experience, Hollywood's very conservative when it comes to the business side of things. You know, they oh, yeah. they want it to be a certain way, and they like it to be a certain way because it guarantees. That the machine continues to move forward, and, and you know it is it is a business, and they're in the business of marketing movies, you know, not just making them, but marketing them, selling them, and uh, that's that's just like any other business, you know, shoes or chocolate or whatever else. You got to get your product out there. So if they find something they like, and I think they can make a dime off of it. There it is, you know, and then hopefully you make films that people like, and they keep selling them, and people love them, and you know, I mean, how many, how many uh, sequels of any given movie have you seen in the last ten years? You know, so it's you know, yeah, it keeps yeah. making them. There was an article in the Washington Post about uh, the glut of uh, superhero movies, and there's like this consensus that it's going to like the housing boom. It's it's, it's going to bust eventually. It's going to bust. It's just going to be too many daggone uh, superhero movies and it's just like it's just a formula and it's very hard to get some of the best work I've seen is either on basic cable or an independent where maybe a movie star will put his own money to do a like an independent film it just seems like there's just so much of a a cookie cookie cutter uh, a set going on out there in Hollywood right yeah I mean you know I'm not uh, sitting in those opposite, uh, you know, 20th Century Fox making those decisions, but <laughs> I, I would say that, you know, like like I was saying before, if, if something does well, you want to keep, you know, making a living from it. So you're going to continue to make the same thing that you always make. I mean, some of the really cool stuff comes out of the independent world because we don't have to worry about stockholders and, you know, 401ks and that kind of thing. So, you know, I, right. I would say that, you know, we were pitching Widow Creek, uh, last week at the AFM at least half the distributors asked us if Kane Hodder who's best known for doing you know uh, the Friday 13th films um, if he was going to be wearing a mask you know that was like a big thing for them uh, mm. he, hasn't done that. he hasn't played that character in you know 20 years but they wanted to know you know and so yeah. the question was well does it matter and you know they're like well yes to some of them it did and to others they didn't really care but um, it just depends who you're talking to. So, I mean, the superhero movies, yeah, you know, I mean, 
I don't particularly go for those movies because I know the guy with a letter on his chest is going to win in the end. So it's kind of a given from the minute you start to from the minute you sit down. Um, you know, they're fun, but uh, you kind of know where it's going anyway. So right. it's, it's you know each to each his own. It's just not for me. You know, I I really I like stuff that's a little more you know edgy maybe you know or just hey. ridiculous. But then again, I like rom coms, so you never know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now a lot of these uh these films you have coming up have you found yourself um uh, kind of casting an eye more more at the kind of the the LA based actors or are you just agnostic on that? You'll just uh you just scour the whole country for talent. I would say that the stuff we've got coming up, the stuff we're trying to shoot, uh, shoot next year is gonna probably be most yeah, I'd say it's going to be LA based. You know, we're we're making we're making moves right now to take the entire company full time back to Los Angeles because we're splitting right now between LA and DC. Um, uh-huh. So we're 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 looking to move everything back to LA by mid time. I'd say the middle of next year. Uh, but you know, you never know. Something comes up and somebody likes to, wants to shoot it in North Carolina. We'll shoot it there. You know, but um, you know, that's the great thing about being a filmmaker now. You can be anywhere. But yeah. tends, you know, for for us, I mean, if you're if you're you know producer, it really benefits you to be where the machine is. It benefits you to be in L.A. That's where the deals are struck. You know, if you're an actor, right. you know you can you can once you if you establish yourself, you can live anywhere. But you really have to go to L.A. or New York. You know, unless if you want to be a full time professional actor. If you want to be an actor that takes it very seriously and so sort of be a hobbyist, you can stay in D.C. or Indianapolis or Miami, and I'm sure you'd do fine, or Atlanta, you know. But uh, if you want to get into those bigger films, you got to make the move because they're never going to give you a part. You know, you hear all these. I have friends who've been cast on uh, House of Cards, you know, and and Veep. Oh yeah. Which, you know, as you know, shoots locally, and they're never right. going to give you guys. You're never going to give you more than five lines. It's never going to happen. That's it's just right. too expensive. It's too risky. You know, this, these are million dollars worth. These are million dollar projects. They're not going to take a chance. They'd rather bring somebody in from New York or LA that they that's a established professional actor. Um, and you know, it's it's it, it makes sense if you think about it. So if you want to get into that market, you gotta you gotta move to New York. Or you gotta move to LA. You're not gonna be a, uh, a starting out actor. You know, making it to the big time, if you will, by staying in. Uh, Richmond or DC or Baltimore or you know Chicago or anything like that. It just doesn't really happen. I'm not saying it couldn't, but in my opinion, it doesn't happen. So the long answer to a sh- I mean, the long answer to a short question is, is yeah, we're moving out to LA probably. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, you're taking that big yeah. move out there. Yeah, that's indeed. Okay. Well, so I've, had a, Michael- I've had a presence out there for you know some time, so it's good. Good thing. Oh, that's excellent to have, you know, those ties out there, too. And it's interesting what you said about uh, how they're not going to risk all that money, you know. They're only going to give you about five lines. I know I've been on uh, commercial sets where the stars, as it were, were the, the basically the New York actors, and then everybody else was just, it was just filled in by, by local talent. So that that is a dynamic sure. that you know, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, ha- yeah. it happens, but, you know, you're talking a numbers game here, you know? So for the most part, it won't happen. But it does happen. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, if you want to play in the NFL, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> you got to yeah. know where the NFL is. So, you know, you want to work in you want to work in government and at the federal level, you got to come to DC. You really can't do it in Boise. So, that's just kind of how it works, man. And once upon a time, you want to be in the steel industry, you go to Pittsburgh, right? So there it is. Yep. Yeah, I don't know where they're uh, producing all the steel now. I know a lot of plants closed up there. Okay, yeah. so we're down to about <laughs> about six minutes. Um, so why don't you just get into a little bit more about uh, some of the films you got coming up? I know you got Contaminated coming up, Malum coming up. Talk a little bit about not only what they're about, but uh, how folks can get involved, and then this we'll just wrap up with. Um, you know how prospective actors or distributors or anybody else can uh, can get in contact with. Yeah, sure. I mean, right now what we're working on is we have two projects that are on the front burner. We got Malum, mm-hmm. which is a sort of a creepy. It's kind of like Insidious. You know, it involves a spiritual demon coming from hell to uh, who kidnaps mm-hmm. a uh, a young lady and takes her back to hell, and then the mother. And a disgraced priest must go to hell to rescue her. Uh huh. It's based on a Greek myth. Um, that one is something that we were pushing really hard at AFM. Uh, we've got people, a couple of people interested in financing it. Of course, you know, uh-huh. got to send them, got to send them all the paperwork and the scripts and everything so that they can get a, get a good look at it. And then we have what I, uh, we have Widow Creek, which is something that's been hanging around for a couple of years. It's it's a little tougher to finance because the budget's a lot higher. Uh, which is your classic bad guy in the mountains chasing the hikers. Uh, yeah. We got Kane Hodder attached to that one. So uh-huh. whenever that goes, you know, we've got him in the, in the lead role. And then, oh, with Malin, we have an actor by the name of Bill Mosley, who's uh, best known for The Devil's Rejects. So uh-huh. those, those two films have got some, you know, some horror film talent attached to it. And it's just a matter of finding the right, you know, the right fit. Somebody who wants to give us the money, and then let's get it all worked out. Um, contaminated is something we're going to probably end up looking at shooting either late next year or the following year, early following year, like 2016. Uh, uh-huh. that's, that's it's a that's a that's basically a power plant meltdown. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be a water filtration plant, but it's really the government's making some kind of strange chemical in there, and it turns all the you know, plant employees not into zombies. Okay, not huh. as zombies, but mutants. So it's a little different. Mm. You know, yeah. mutants are more color. Mutants are more colorful because they, uh, you know, they, <laughs> actually, they can they can verbalize stuff. You know, so they they they're, zomb- they're like a they're like a combination of a zombie, you know, monster thing. So they are they're mutants. Um, <laughs> and that's that that'll be a lot of fun just because we get a lot of explosions and you know a lot of things you know a lot of fluid gooey stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, <laughs> so yeah, so we got that one cooking, and we've got uh, you know we've got obviously we've got uh, Dracul, which is our TV movie that we're finishing up, and uh, we have some people interested in that. We got some more shooting to do here in uh, December, hopefully. Got to do some special uh-huh. effects for that because uh, we were we shot originally as a TV pilot, and we decided we've already got so much footage shot, let's just turn it into a feature, and that's what we're doing. So we had to wait for the weather to come back around because we shot it last November, December. So we had to wait for the right. weather to come back around, and uh, you know we've got a couple other things out there. So I mean it's 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 a slow process. You have to be very patient. As I tell actors all the time, I'm like you know you live with it for a couple of weeks, I live with it with a couple for a couple of years. So you know 
it it takes time, you know. And I think uh, you know, if people want to get a hold of us, just go to mcmfilm at uh, gmail. Well, actually, the best place to get a hold of us is mcmfilmproductions at gmail dot com, or go to our website, MCM Films, and you know, check us out there. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, and of course, uh, don't forget. That and there's, and, and there's Facebook. There's, there's, there's Facebook. I shouldn't forget Facebook. Everybody's on Facebook. And it's on Facebook, of course, you can find out about you. got your little shindig uh, on the 15th uh, up there at the uh, Little Oh, Island, yeah. Too. yeah. Are you going to swing by? Uh, actually, I'm in the middle of producing the play right now, and I'll probably be uh, watching my play that night, but uh, if I can spare some Late night hours, you might see me there. Okay. <laughs> well, if, if something <laughs> happens, you're more, you're always more than welcome to come by. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, Mike. So, man, it was really great to have you on the show, man. And uh, oh, just thank about you for having me. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, I always enjoy speaking with you, and thanks for having me, man. It's, it's uh, I hope things are going well for you as well. Seems like you're, you're keeping things really busy doing the play. That that'll keep you on your toes. <laughs> it sure will. Okay, Mike. Well, thanks again, and you have a great night. All right, William. Take care. Thanks again. See ya. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. And let me leave you with this quote, dear listeners, from Johnny Depp. With any part you play, there's a certain amount of yourself in it. There has to be. Otherwise, it's not acting. It's lying. Good night.